Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, on my last podcast, I talked about miscellaneous updates and some things that are going on primarily around Walt Disney World. And it turns out that I left some things out. And this was a recording error on my part. Oop, excuse me. I made a little mistake and I actually uh, wound up stopping the recording without realizing I had stopped it and uh, left some things off. I, I said them all. And thought they were going out to the air recorder, but they didn't make it. So I wanted to catch up on a few things that I didn't get a chance to talk about and bring them back around. I'm going to start off with a, a Snopes article I saw. This just kind of stumbled on. I stumbled upon it as I was going along. Does a Walt Disney World attraction help people pass kidney stones? And uh, it's interesting. Um, David Wartender of the Michigan State University published a medical study suggesting that a ride on Disney World's Big Thunder Mountain roller coaster can be beneficial to people who have kidney stones. Now, if you've never experienced a kidney stone, you have no idea what we're talking about here. But let me just say it is one of the mo single most painful things that you can have. I've had at least one in my life, and um, it's extremely painful. You just kind of sit there and you just grunt and groan, and you know it's just it just hurts your whole side and it takes it just zaps your strength. It's a horrible thing. And if uh, there is something that can help it, um, well, you know, I'd be all for it. What they're saying is that these uh, small stones that are passing between your kidneys and your bladder, they cause a blockage and that the sudden motion and the, mo and the turning of Big Thunder Mountain can actually help to reduce the uh, pain and actually moves it along. And that's the important thing is moving the kidney stone along. You know, there's different things you can do, like drinking a lot of fluids, especially like cranberry juice, does help move it along. You're trying to break up the stone in any way you can. There's some herbal and uh, supplement type things that are supposed to help. And you know, painkillers just, just mask the pain. They don't really help it along. So anything you can do to help move it is a really good thing. So according to this urologist, David Wartinger, he actually published a peer-reviewed article in the Journal of American Osteopathic Association stating that the experiments he performed using a lifelike silicone model of the human urinary tract confirmed that the roller coaster facilitation of calcioseal and renal uh, calculi passage i.e. taking a roller coaster ride to facilitate the passage of a kidney stone may be feasible alternatives to a standard medical treatment in some cases. So it's interesting that he, that he published that and it went along and there is some evidence to support that. There was another Taiwanese urologist who reported the same thing. His name is Chulang Swan. Uh, he's a doctor in the Department of Urology at uh, Taishung Hospital and uh, he had actually come up with a similar conclusion based on riding different roller coasters. So it's kind of interesting. You know, that just was one of those things Disney showed up in the news. And this actually was published last year, but didn't get a lot of press. And it's going around now. And I just thought it was kind of a funny thing and worth passing along. There's no absolute hard and fast evidence that this works. But hey, it's worth a try. And if it gets you another trip to Disney, where's the downside? Also, I wanted to talk about uh, Mad Magazine. In their December edition, artist Tom Bunk does a, a rendition of what the Florida theme park looks like. 
he draws up the Magic Kingdom in this enormously detailed illustration that I'll put a, a picture of in my show notes page so you can see it. But I highly recommend you know getting the magazine and actually flipping through it because you get a little more detail. You can actually see it up close and it's got a little more uh, rigor to it. You can actually look at the little pictures and everything in there. It's a little hard to see on the computer or on your uh, small device if you want to look at it that way. I would suggest you go and get a copy of the magazine to look at it. But he does a really nice job of looking at what the Magic Kingdom looks like and kind of how it all lays out and how it uh, how people go through the park. It's sort of a perspective on things from an outsider point of view. And I thought it was a really nice illustration. He did a good job of kind of expressing what it looks like. And I wanted to share that with you. It's kind of cool. It, it was one of those things where you look at it and you go, hey, this is very clever. Uh, he's done a good job of kind of, you could say, skewering the Walt Disney World uh, parks. But in a way, it's really about what the parks are from uh, from a perspective. And I just thought it was kind of neat and I wanted to share that. I also wanted to talk about the flap that happened with Donald Trump and Jameel Hill over on ESPN. Now, of course, ESPN is owned by Disney and uh, she posted something to her personal Twitter account. He didn't like it. He complained. ESPN apologized. They kept her on the air for a period of time. She posted something else on Twitter and then they suspended her for a couple of weeks. And the whole thing is just so petty and ridiculous. Look, she was posting it to her private Twitter account. It's her own personal account. Yes, I know she's representing the viewpoint of ESPN and therefore Disney. So I understand why they wanted to take action and tell her to stop. I, I get it. But for him to sit there and say, oh, that's wrong and you shouldn't do that, that's not appropriate behavior for someone that's sitting in the Oval Office. It's similar to the way he's been kind of bullying Disney into doing something with the Hall of Presidents. You may notice the Hall of Presidents still isn't open. And there is something to be said for that because they redid the show and he still wants to have full say over what his audio animatronic is going to say without anyone's input. And Disney doesn't like that idea, but Disney's a little too shy to say anything specifically. So they're just leaving it closed for now and saying it's being refurbished. And if you ask cast members what's going on, they'll give you varying stories, but essentially it's, they're saying that the show is not ready, which is what it is. But he's got to realize that he can't bully companies and can't push people around. Look, he can do a lot of things. I get that. But when you're using that office to try and denigrate a company just because they're not supporting your point of view, that's a problem. That's just my take on it. So I just thought it was interesting because this continues to happen. And Disney's got to be very careful in the way they approach this. Found an interesting thing in the Theme Park Insider. Uh, why does Disney World keep creating upcharged dessert parties? And... Um, Robert Niles does a good job of kind of breaking it down. I'll put a link to it in my show notes page. But it's kind of interesting. What he's talking about is how the core market has changed. Disney has always been marketed to people with families and young children. So this has always been their core market. But as millennials grow up and non-traditional families start to emerge or people don't get married or other things or they don't spend their, their dollars the same way, there has to be a change in the way that they approach their business. So they can either adapt or change, and uh, otherwise your sales decline. The change in population distribution isn't the only demographic change confronting the theme park. Income inequality has also swollen over the past several decades, leading to an increase in wealthy and poorer Americans at the expense and size of the middle class. Theme parks uh, along with the middle class's vacation destination. So a decline in middle class households along with decline in families with young children has created a dangerous double whammy for the industry. So they have to find a way to appeal to older audiences, including empty nesters. They must create plausibly exclusive and luxury experiences, the higher price points. And that means that they had an idea to go in and make a change. Uh, what they realized was that other theme parks and other 
other entertainment venues, destinations, have been kind of chipping away at their edge and their industry lead. You know, as Universal creates things like the Harry Potter world and uh, Bush Gardens and uh, SeaWorld do more things that invite guests to come in at a different price point and still give them some good entertainment, they need to keep changing the way they look at it. So they need to change and actually attract more consumers to come and enjoy the parks. And one way to do that is through these luxury experiences, through the behind the scenes experiences and other ways to get people to come in and enjoy and partake in the, in the park and entertainment. So, of course, they have to think it through differently. And uh, this is, these are some of the ways that they can get that going. So I'll put a link to the article in my show notes page. I thought it was kind of interesting and worth highlighting. And it would explain why Disney has kind of changed their mindset. And you're seeing more of these exclusive experiences and these behind-the-scenes things and different things that they're doing that are different than what they've ever done in the past. Now, to get a little more serious for just a moment or two, there was the story about the boy who was killed by the alligator at Disney at Disney World uh, a little over a year ago. It's an unimaginable tragedy that happened, and I, can't, I have trouble even talking about it. It's, it's just one of those things. But if there's something good that came of it, then it's this. The family of the boy uh, has decided to create a foundation to help families with children receiving organ transplants. Matt Graves, the father, said after the son's death, they wanted to help other families fighting for their children's lives. Lane had a very special light about him. We promised him at his wake we would turn this tragedy into good for families. The Lane Thomas Foundation will help pay travel and living expenses for families with children being treated in Omaha at Children's Hospital or Nebraska Medicine. The idea is to encourage families to consider whether they're donating their child's organs to help other children if their child should be stricken by tragedy or if something else happens. And so there's, you know, I'm glad that they were able to uh, come up with something positive they could do after their son's death. Um, like I said, I can't even imagine what that must be like. Uh, I don't want to imagine what it would be like, but I'm glad that they were able to do something positive as a result of that. And they say they've already treated and helped 15 families. The problem is that the cost of going to these uh, facilities and having the treatment and having to stay for weeks afterwards as the child recovers often forces parents into a difficult financial situation or the parents have to quit their jobs in order to make it happen. So this is a way to help defray the costs in some way. And I think that's a really positive thing. And I'm very, very happy to hear that they're doing something. Um, it's unfortunate that it came to this, but uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that you know, they're, they're engaged in doing something. And it just leads me back to something I was saying in my last, last podcast that we should all be doing some good in our world. You know, do something good for others. Come up with a way that you can make a positive difference. That's the one piece of advice I would give everyone out there. You know, for a while, I was trying to think about how I wanted to focus my podcast because I wanted to do some good. And I talked about autism awareness and doing some things. But I think my focus should be on just doing some good in society. You know, we should all be doing something good. Find one little thing you can do every day that you can do for someone else or someone in your family or just a stranger and you know do that one nice thing whether it's it's a simple thing like holding a door or you know paying their toll on the expressway whatever just something to pay it forward just a little bit and then as you get into the spirit of it a little bit do a little more let's do some good and let's actually help people a little bit help our neighbors help our friends and and do some things that's just my take on it and i encourage you to find ways to do good and i'll continue to suggest some as they come up I, you know, I, I know that uh, Disney does a lot with their volunteers program and uh, there's some good that can come out of that. 
and I'd like to kind of help you know push people towards some of the things that they're doing where I think there's some good to be made and some good to be had and some good to be done. So I hope people take advantage of that. And if you're listening to this, just find something good you can do, some random thing you can do. You know, rather than throw out your old umbrella, give it to someone. Or rather than throw out your old clothes, donate them somewhere. Do something good. And that's my take for today. All right. So turning back to uh, Disney for a moment, turns out that Stitch's Great Escape is no more. They've closed down Stitch's Great Escape at the Magic Kingdom, and now they're calling it Stitch's Alien Encounter Character Greeting. So what it is, is uh, actually a place where you can uh, you can go in and meet some characters, including Stitch, and I think Lilo comes in at times too. And so basically you go into the pre-show area, and you wait in a queue, and you're able to meet Stitch and get your picture taken with him. So I think this is the precursor to them actually replacing that show at some point. So this is, you know, it's a positive thing because I think it's one of the worst shows they've ever put together at Disney. And I think they did a kind of a terrible job of it. If you've ever listened to my podcast about Stitch's Great Escape, you realize that it's really not that good. The only thing worth seeing in there was the audio animatronic of Stitch that they have at the very end of the show. The rest of it's kind of throwaway. So I'm glad to see they're doing something else with the space. I wish they'd do more with it. I think they have a tremendous space there that they could use. And I hope they come up with something they can use it for later. Uh, Over at Disneyland, uh, I hear that Paint the Night is coming back to Disneyland, but unfortunately, it's not until summer of 2018, so you have to wait another six to eight months before you're going to see it return. But in the meantime, there's going to be the Pixar Fest in the new Pixar Pier area at California Adventure. And that would include the move of the Pixar Play Parade and the Disneyland uh, to Disneyland Park and park in a Pixar fireworks spectacular over at Sleeping Beauty Castle. Uh, Paint the Night will add Pixar-themed floats, probably Inside Out is what they're saying. And the reason for this is probably because Disney has decided that they wanted to make sure that guests come in 2018. So they took away the Paint the Night uh, parade for a while, then they're bringing it back next year because the Galaxy's Edge opens in 2019, so they wanted to make sure that they get that peak time when people will come in the parks during next summer and people don't just hold off for another year to come to see uh, the uh, Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars experience. So interesting how that kind of worked out, but... It should be good to see that show return. Turning back over to uh, Disney World, one of the things that's happening over at Disney World is that they're starting to offer mobile ordering on the uh, Disney My Disney Experience app where guests can select certain counter service restaurants and actually pre-order their food so that when they come to the restaurant, it will be ready. So basically, instead of standing in line to make your order and then paying for it, you proceed directly to the place where you pick it up and you'll have an order number and they'll just call your name and you'll get it. So the way this works, if you select one of the restaurants that's participating, and eventually they all will, you would go in and you would uh, put in your order. So you would select from a series of menu items that are the same ones that are on the board in the, in the establishment. You put in your order. Uh, they give you a certain time window between now and a couple of hours from now. And at any point in there, you tap the app to say, go ahead and start my order so that by the time you get there, you can pick it up. So it's pretty easy to use, and it will charge whatever method of payment you already have connected to your My Disney Experience app. So you go through, and it's uh, it's pretty clever the way they've set it up. And I I, I got to try this out one time when I go up there just to see what it looks like and how it works. It may make things easier. I don't know. There's something about the experience of standing in line and waiting to, waiting and talking to the host who's there that makes it kind of fun. So I would miss that about it, but you know, I got to go and try and check it out. There is a special place at the end of the queue where there's the mobile order pickup. You would just show them your, uh, your, basically your receipt and you would pick it up and you'd be on your way. So in theory, it should go pretty quickly. 
At the moment, the establishments that are doing the mobile order pickup, the ABC Commissary at the studios, Backlot Express at the studios, Columbia Harbor House at the Magic Kingdom, Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe at the Magic Kingdom, Deluxe Burger in the uh, Disney Springs area, the Electric Umbrella at Epcot, Flame Tree Barbecue at Disney's Animal Kingdom, the Liberty Inn in the Magic Kingdom, Pecos Bill's Tall Tale Inn and Cafe at the Magic Kingdom, Pinocchio Village House at the Magic Kingdom, Pizza Fari at the Animal Kingdom, Restaurantosaurus at the Animal Kingdom, Satuli Canteen at the Animal Kingdom, Tomorrowland Terrace Restaurant at the, at the Magic Kingdom, and Tortuga Tavern at the Magic Kingdom. As I said, it will be rolling to all of the other establishments. So as you go into the parks, you can always check to see if your favorite establishment or one you'd like to try is offering mobile ordering. It's only for counter service type establishments, but you got to imagine that they're going to they're going to try and expand it and do some different things to make it easier and turn over tables faster in a sit down style restaurant. I don't know if I mentioned this previously, but I did say that there was going to be a new. Disney Vacation Club property that was over by the Caribbean Beach Resort. And uh, they've actually demolished some of the outer buildings of the Caribbean Beach Resort, some of the older ones. And the uh, new property is going to be called Disney's Riviera Resort. It's going to be a 300 accommodation space. Uh, They'll start selling Vacation Club properties. I think they may have already started doing that. They'll continue to sell those in the next uh, little while here. The Skyliner that they're planning, that's the gondola system, will be going directly to there. So you, if you're staying at the Caribbean beach, you have to kind of walk over to there to be able to get to the Skyliner. But it will go from there to, over to uh, Epcot and the studios. So you can get there easily. So that is on the plan. And clearly, now that we think about it, having the uh, Vacation Club property and the Skyliner, those two were meant to match up. So this, the Skyliner would take you from the Vacation Club property over to Epcot or the studios. General manager of the Disney Vacation Club property, Ken Potrock, said the opening of the Copper Creek Villages and Cabins at Disney's Wilderness Lodge in just a few days and the announcement of our next planned development, Disney's Riviera Resort, demonstrate the incredible momentum underway at Disney's Vacation Club. Our members tell us over and over again how much they love the outstanding accommodations and the value and flexibility of a DVC membership, as well as the unique location to our growing and evolving theme parks and the exclusive member experiences and benefits they get from our membership extras program. Turning outside the U.S. for a moment, the Disneyland Paris site, that was originally a partnership between the uh, Walt Disney Company and a French-based company. Well, over time, Disney has been acquiring back large amounts of the uh, properties because Disney ultimately wanted to own it outright. When it first started, they weren't sure how a European model was going to work and whether it was going to work out very well or not, or exactly how it was going to work out. So they had this uh, decision where there was going to be some French involvement and they were going to invest some money in it. Disney has slowly been buying it back from the French controlling interest over time as the park has become more successful. Well, about a couple of months ago, they completed the buyout. So Disney bought out any other shareholders. They spent something like uh, 760 million euros to uh, to get the uh, property back. That would be uh, what about one and a, one and a third billion dollars or so. So uh, I guess uh, I guess it turns out that they actually own 95 percent of the controlling interest now. There's still five percent outstanding where people didn't sell, but that's okay. Disney has a, a full control of the uh, of the property and can decide what they're going to do with it next. Oh, and before I let you go, I wanted to mention my iPhone apps. I have a couple of them out there that are Disney-related, and in particular, the one that's the pin trading app does not work with iOS 11. So if you happen to be a user, I'm sorry. I owe you an apology. I had planned an update a couple of, well, it was more than a year ago now, I guess, 
And the update never happened due to various technical concerns and some other things going on in my life. And I do owe an update and it does not work currently with iOS 11. I'm not sure what the issue is exactly because the data calls I do are no different than the data calls I do in some of my other apps that do work, but something is amiss and it won't let it work. So I have some updates to make. I need to make a fundamental shift in the architecture of it based on some other things that I saw and some updates to the uh, way the iOS works. So I'll be working on that. I will let you know when it's available again. Again, my apologies to those of you who are using it. So uh, I, will, I will have an update out there, hopefully very soon. But uh, just stay, stay tuned. I will get it out there. I just wanted to let you know that I am working on it. I am aware that it doesn't work. I am kind of sad about that because I had intended to keep it working. But uh, unfortunately, it just didn't work out that way. So that's the way the cookie crumbles, as they say sometimes. And I'll keep working on trying to make it fixed. Press Penny app does continue to work. It didn't have an issue with iOS 11, so you're welcome to continue to use that. I do have a hidden Mickey's app out there that's a free app, and uh, you're welcome to uh, to take a copy of that. It's a community-supported type thing. I have some ideas for improvements and enhancements on that one that, again, I haven't had time to work on. Welcome to life sometimes, right? There's a lot of things going on. But I do plan on making some updates and getting some new things out there, so stay tuned. Well, there you go. That's my updates on the few things that I missed on my last podcast. I hope you've enjoyed hearing these two and kind of filling in some of the blanks on a couple of things that I had and I was going to tell you about, but hey, I messed up. It happens. You know, that's the way things go sometimes, but I wanted to catch up with you and give you the rest of the information. So that's my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 